My name is Michael Cox from the Communications Office at the University of Warwick. Today I'm talking to Professor Franco Capuccio from Warwick Medical School, who led some recent research into the effects of cholesterol-busting statins on patients. He and his team discovered that the statins also reduced blood pressure in these patients, which was a welcome bonus. Firstly, Professor Capuccio, can you explain to me what cholesterol is and what it's for? Uh, cholesterol is a substance that circulates in our blood and carries uh, fat, which we call a saturated fat. So it's, it's a bad side which leads to heart disease and is in part produced by the liver and in part, in part comes from our diet. People talk about good cholesterol and bad cholesterol sometimes as well. What, yes. what does that mean? Yes, that means that out of the total amount of cholesterol that circulates in the blood, uh, part is uh, bound to some proteins uh, called um, LDL. Uh, and some are bound to another protein called HDL. And these two different uh, portions of cholesterol have different effects on the vasculature. And what, if, what, are, these, what are the effects that they have? Well, the effects of the, the LDL-carried cholesterol uh, tend to be, tends to be the, the portion, the bad cholesterol, which leads to heart disease and strokes. Whereas the HDL cholesterol is usually has the opposite effect of being a protective from heart disease and strokes. So the balance between the two seems to be the important factor in predisposing or protecting from heart disease. And what sort of things affect this balance? Okay, in terms of LDL cholesterol, the bad cholesterol, uh, the main uh, factors that affect the, the quantity of that amount in the blood is the amount of cholesterol that comes from the diet. So, for instance, if you have a, bad, um, a, f a high fat intake, that would lead to a high proportion of the LDL cholesterol. Now, there are other factors that might increase the HDL cholesterol, for instance, the level of physical activity uh, or a moderate intake of alcohol consumption. And what, what's the danger? How does this cause okay, heart so, problems? Uh, in the past, we used to measure the total level of cholesterol, which in part reflects the, the bad cholesterol, the LDL cholesterol. Uh, high levels of cholesterol in the blood carried by the LDL are associated with a higher uh, risk of developing heart attacks, strokes, and other conditions in the vascular system, leading, for instance, to renal failure, heart failure, or peripheral vascular disease. How can we fight that? I mean, obviously, people talk about diet and people go for cholesterol tests. And yes, uh, it, it is common to, to everyone. that We all know that by measuring uh, the level of cholesterol in your blood, you can assess roughly the amount of risk you have. Because this is, is the simplest screening test for us to assess what is likelihood that in the future we may develop uh, premature heart attacks or strokes compared to other people. So basically, uh, measuring cholesterol in the blood and also possibly measuring the different fractions of the cholesterol, so the LDL cholesterol and the HDL cholesterol, we, we can have a good estimate of the future risk of developing heart disease and strokes. And um, what is a statin and how, how does that lower cholesterol? Right, so obviously, uh, having said that the higher the cholesterol level, the greater is the risk of developing heart attacks and strokes. The important thing is to... It has been shown that if we reduce the levels of cholesterol, particularly LDL cholesterol, in our blood, we tend to reduce the, the future risk of developing heart attacks and strokes. That's been shown very clearly in what we call randomized controlled clinical trials, where we uh, allocate um, uh, 
people participating into studies and either taking a cholesterol-lowering maneuver, for instance, whether a drug or a health lifestyle change, compared to a group that doesn't do that. We follow them up for a long term and see how many develop heart attacks or strokes in the group treated for cholesterol versus the group not treated for cholesterol. So this is really the gold standard for deciding what particular health intervention is uh, beneficial for our um, outcome. Now, as it comes to cholesterol, uh, there are two ways in which uh, we can reduce the cholesterol level. As I said, part of the cholesterol is determined by the amount of uh, fat, particularly saturated fat, we eat in our diet, mainly coming from uh, animal fat, so that the typical uh, um, breakfast with... Um, uh, the full English is not good for the full English breakfast. Level. Usually, is not very good in the long term. Um, and the, and the other part is, is reality produced internally by the body through the liver, and that is more genetically determined. Now, the combination of these two factors lead to the effectiveness of reducing cholesterol. So, a low saturated fat intake leads to a reduction in cholesterol in the diet. So, that's a one aspect. Uh, one way of reducing cholesterol over a period of time, and we know about the the uh, the health promotion over the last 20 years in trying to make people reduce their fat intake to reduce their cholesterol, hence reducing their risk. But more recently, it has become apparent uh, in the late 80s that um, there is a mechanism by which we can stop the liver from producing excessive levels of cholesterol internally. Uh, and that is due to the fact that by blocking some receptors sitting on the surface of the liver, we can stop the production of, of cholesterol from inside. And a, a group of uh, drugs called genetically statins uh, tend to do exactly that. And when tested in randomized clinical trials, uh, giving statins have been shown to reduce dramatically the cholesterol levels, but also the risk of developing heart attacks and strokes. To give an idea... If you use a statin in people with high cholesterol over five years, you reduce the chance of developing heart attacks and strokes by as far as 40%. And this is an enormous amount. If you imagine if we had something like this for cancer, we would be extremely happy. So uh, treating heart, preventing heart attack and strokes with statins is probably one of the most um, successful ways in medicine, which we have managed to reduce the incidence of one of the commonest forms of disease in the Western world. The other being, of course, the treatment of high blood pressure, which has the same successes, about 40% by treating blood pressure. How is the treatment administered? Well, the treatment is given by a single a tablet. Now, statins have been developed chemically. Uh, originally, there were... Um, the first statin came in the market probably about 15 years ago, and since then, uh, more powerful, uh, longer-acting statins have been developed. Uh, now, to give an idea, uh, uh, millions of patients every day use statins to control their cholesterol and to prevent the chance of getting heart disease. And more recently, uh, studies have shown that even when cholesterol levels are not very high, as we traditionally felt, in people who have had, for instance, already a heart attack or a stroke uh, prior to the uh, initiation of a statin, you could prevent very effectively the recurrence of a heart attack or a stroke, even in those with cholesterols within normal range. So there is a concept that the statin protects from heart attacks and strokes 
even for uh, moderate reductions of the cholesterol levels. So it's a very effective drug in terms of reducing cholesterol. And, but your research has recently shown that it also helps to reduce blood pressure. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yes, of course, the studies over the years have really addressed the issue of cholesterol lowering. That means the major um, uh, objective of, of the drug that's been developed in order to block the receptors uh, at the level of the liver, so to block the production of cholesterol. But as the clinical trials developed and were published, it became apparent, two things became apparent. One is that the effect of um, uh, reducing the incidence of disease by giving statins was apparent very, very soon after starting the treatment, which, for what we knew in terms of mechanisms, was probably too soon for us to predict that effect by giving a statin. You can imagine that the, the damage builds up over time and it will take at least months or years before you could see some benefits. In some trials, large trials, the beneficial effects were seen in a very few, very um, early months of treatment, which raised the issues of whether there might have been some other effects which were responsible for that. The second point came from the uh, some trials showing not only a benefit on coronary heart disease, which is the main target of cholesterol risk, but also from stroke. Now, stroke is determined more by the level of blood pressure than by the level of cholesterol, although cholesterol also contributes to stroke rates. But the benefits on strokes were uh, in excess of what some would have been would have predicted from the levels of cholesterol. So the question arose that um, whether studies might have some other effects. And some bi biochemical studies also started indicating uh, effects of statins in vitro and in, in experimental conditions which were beyond blocking cholesterol production. So it became apparent there was an interest in looking at other effects of statins beyond cholesterol lowering. Can you explain actually sort of how or, or why that they have this positive effect on reducing blood pressure? I mean, you've, your research has shown that it's, it's the <coughs> case, um, but, but how, does it, how does it work? Yes, I think uh, first is to understand that our research is what we call a secondary analysis of existing data. Obviously, there, was, there hasn't been, apart from one small trial, no study addressing directly, not testing the hypothesis that statins will lower blood pressure. So what we wanted to do is, first of all, to see whether within the available data published in the literature, looking at intervention trials, randomized intervention trials, which are the gold standards, looking at statins in relation to cholesterol levels, whether there was any hint that also blood pressure would be affected. So you can imagine these studies were reviewed by us, uh, and I have to highlight the study was carried out in collaboration with some of my colleagues at the University of Naples in Italy, and some colleagues from St. George's University of London. And we uh, reviewed all the existing literature which had employed a randomized trial design looking at the intervention of statins versus non-statin. As you can imagine, the majority of studies were looking at the effect on cholesterol. But in these studies, also blood pressure was measured. And in those studies in which blood pressure had not been manipulated throughout the study, in other words, there wasn't any also in indication of changing blood pressure with drugs, uh, we aimed at looking at the effect of studies on blood pressure levels in those trials. And when we put them all together with a technique called meta-analysis, which is a statistical approach to pull together all the studies that we have in the literature with some uh, provision for 
uh, providing uh, greater weight for larger studies, more reliable studies, and giving more importance to larger studies, we came to the conclusion that beyond and independent of the cholesterol effect that the statin had in each particular trial, the overall effect on blood pressure was what we call statistically significant. But more importantly, we also feel that there is some clinical significance in the findings, as much as we found that for systolic blood pressure, for instance, after a variable period of treatment with statins between four weeks and a year, this is where the study is included, we found about 1.9, almost 2 millimeters of mercury, lower systolic blood pressure in the group treated with statins. That's irrespective of the effect of um, lipid lowering. And also for diastolic blood pressure, there was an indication of about 1 millimeter of mercury reduction in blood pressure. So it's 2 over 1 millimeters of mercury in the whole group. If we then looked at the people who had high blood pressure to start with, the effect was much larger. So systolic blood pressure was lowered by about 4 millimeters of mercury, and the diastolic blood pressure was lowered by just over 1.2 millimeters of mercury. Now, the question is what the relevance is of these findings. First of all, I think although for a practicing physician it may not be enough to have an extra 2 millimeters of mercury fall in blood pressure in somebody with high blood pressure, at the population level, I think it's a very important finding because if you imagine translating 2 millimeters of mercury to the majority of people who are on the statins, and I repeat, there are millions in the UK today and several millions in the world, you would translate that in a significant additional benefit on heart disease rates and stroke rates in the order of about an extra 15% reduction. Um, when we come to the uh, individual patient, you can also imagine that if you have hypertension, you take tablets to reach a target blood pressure, as indicated by national and international guidelines. If the statin, if you know, in conjunction with the statin, you receive your treatment, the likelihood might be that either you achieve a better blood pressure control with fewer drugs, or uh, you can probably get away without drugs, depending on which level you are of your treatment. So there is a contribution of either lowering the amount of drugs, the, the dose of antihypertensives you may take, or even reduces the amount of total number of tablets you take. You ask about the mechanism. It's very difficult from our study to imply what particular mechanism could have been involved. We have a variety of possibilities which come mainly from uh, experimental studies to indicate that there may be some underlying possibilities. For instance, one aspect of hypertension and hyperlipidemia, high cholesterol levels, is that uh, one of the early changes in our vascular system is, to, is, a, is a damage to the function of the inner layer of our uh, vessel wall that we call endothelium. You can imagine we have an artery. The artery has different layers. The inner side, the one which is in contact with blood, is called endothelium. That endothelium is an active organ producing chemicals and substances to keep the flow and keep also the size of the artery open. Now, if you imagine with the, with the derangement of that endothelium and the subsequent dysfunction of that endothelium, there's a clear sign that this is an early stage of damage of the arteries, which has been found in many conditions like hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, diabetes. Now, it appears, at least in vitro, that if you apply a statin, 
the study would impart a reverse that endothelial dysfunction. If that is the case, and it was translated into real life, you can see we're, we're really jumping mm. quite heavily on this, but that would be plausible with the mechanisms, with, with the findings we have. An alternative would be the statins also interfere with the production of a very powerful circulatory hormone called endothelin, which tends to constrict the vessels. The constriction of the vessels leads to high blood pressure. So stopping the production, in part, of that endothelium would lead to vasorelaxation, which in turn will lead to uh, a reduction in blood pressure. And there may be other mechanisms which are a bit more complicated, which might, in theory, be compatible with the findings we find. But of course, these need new studies to address whether we can link our findings to the mechanism. I think possibly you slightly touched on something I was going to ask though as well, which was that do um, do, does high cholesterol levels and high blood pressure often go hand in hand? Is that often something that... Yes, yes, unfortunately that's what we call the disease of our century, isn't it? It's our epidemic. Um, If I tell you from the point of a a person with high blood pressure, because I do treat people with hypertension in the first instance in my clinic, only 5% of people with high blood pressure coming to my clinic have only high blood pressure. The other 95% do have hypercholesterolemia. They do have, in a high proportion, type 2 diabetes, which in turn is a condition where cholesterol is raised. Uh, They have hypercholesterolemia, as I said. They may be obese or overweight. Again, that situation is a metabolic condition associated with high cholesterol levels. So you can imagine the answer is yes, they they go very closely hand in hand and nowadays we tend to treat the combination of these metabolic factors leading to heart disease rather than treating lipids or blood pressure or diabetes or obesity in isolation. Your article mentions that the effect of statins obviously isn't as pronounced as that of antihypertensive drugs themselves and I was going to say if you could quantify the two and also in comparison to what are normal and high levels of blood pressure yes so i, I think um, if we say that the uh, at the moment the classifications uh, for hypertension vary according to the degree of severity and and there are different guidelines uh, indicating what would be the ideal level of blood pressure on treatment so as far as the UK is concerned, and the guidelines they are given also to general practitioners who are the first point of call for the management of hypertension, for instance, is that the blood pressure should, in those with raised levels should be reduced below 150 over 90 millimeters of mercury, but ideally before, below 140 over 80. Now, if you deal with people with diabetes, uh, the evidence that you should push it even further to lower levels. Now, starting from that sort of um, scenario, our study shows that uh, the, the effect of uh, statins in those with the systolic blood pressure above 130, and that's the way we uh, could look at the data we had, was a 4 millimeters of mercury. So if you're dealing with hypertensives, uh, the, there could be a significant reduction of 4 millimeters of mercury in systolic hypertension, which is the, uh, the main determinant of stroke rates, and that would perhaps allow uh, uh, lower doses of the drugs you're using or perhaps reducing the amount of drugs because we now tend to 
treat hypertensives in quick combination therapy. To give an idea, out of 100 patients with high blood pressure coming to your observation in the clinic, only a quarter, 25%, do reach their set targets, as I said, with one drug alone. The other 75% would need two or more. So in that respect, the majority of them could be entitled to be on a statin. Therefore, I think there would be a scope for reducing the amount of antihypertensive medications. The other implication, which is already built in in uh, guidelines, which I hinted before, is now statins are indicated also in people with moderate to normal levels of cholesterol. And the, the principle being the lower the better. In the past, we heard... The, 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 the usual things, what is a normal cholesterol? Is it above 6 millimoles per litre? Is it above 5 millimoles per litre? Or is it above 4 millimoles per litre? And nowadays the idea is that the lower the cholesterol, the better it is for your prospective outcome. So now the guidelines are lowering the targets to below 4 millimoles per litre, which in the past, or still in the national guidelines, are above 5 so you can imagine this is a graded risk across. There's no threshold. And it's just a balance between the benefit of giving a statin versus the risk of taking a drug for the majority of the population and also is a consideration of health economics. Because nowadays statins are still rather expensive and they're all prescribed under the NHS. Therefore, I think that's been one of the major burdens on the NHS in the last 10 years. And are there any particular risks of taking statins? The risk of taking statins are a few and are usually evident in the first few weeks of treatment. Particularly, there is a condition called rhabdomyolysis, which is a condition in which the, the skeletal muscle, our muscles, do suffer from a toxic effect, which is due to a sensitivity which is difficult to predict prior to giving a statin. Now, you can spot that by measuring a particular substance in the blood with a blood test called creatine kinase. If that substance is raised, particularly after you start the statin, and that is an indication of a muscle toxicity that requires stopping the statin. Uh, and, and the patient may complain of muscle pain, vague muscle pain or more. Uh, so this is the condition that is, is um, there to require a withdrawal of a statin. Then there are minor side effects on the gastrointestinal system. Some people complain of diarrhea, uh, flatulence, uh, discomfort with digestion. Those things usually disappear, but occasionally may require shuffling around. Uh, so that's the only concerns around statins. Another thing, I'm not sure if this is really possible, but I know that uh, it, it is possible certainly to have low blood pressure and that can also be dangerous. Would there ever be a case where you were treating a patient with high cholesterol but low blood pressure and it might be a concern that the statins would reduce their blood pressure further? I think this is a theoretical, probably unlikely uh, scenario. Uh, low blood pressure is, uh, I wish it was more common than it is, because that would prevent a lot of heart attacks and strokes. Uh, people with very low blood pressure uh, are rare, although they, they do come to, to our observation. And usually the risk of low blood pressure is only there when it's symptomatic. In other words, when you faint, because that's the only consequence of low blood pressure. Uh, now, a very moderate effect, as we see, 
particularly normotensives, in that case it would be people with low blood pressure, of one millimeter of mercury systolic would be almost trivial to the clinical scenario. So I think in reality it's extremely unlikely it would have any detrimental effect. The positive effects, as we said, would be additive and small and will have a projection on, on, on the large number of people in the population. Have you got any plans for any future related studies? Well, I think that there's been quite a lot of interest uh, in the international uh, field of designing new studies specifically looking at the, with the objective of looking at the effect of studies on blood pressure. I think it's, it's become very apparent that that would require a very large uh, number of people to be randomized into trials. We're talking about several thousands. Uh, so these become very expensive and will need to be followed up for many years. So they will be very expensive. So I think it's very difficult at the moment to envisage that a single center will be able to do a trial like that. But obviously there is scope uh, at the international level to try and, and motivate, unfortunately, the drug industry, which is the only one that will be able to fund a multi-million dollars study of that kind. That's why we uh, resorted to go into a secondary analysis to try and address the issue. So the answer is, yeah, there would be need for studies. Very unlikely we, working on our own, would be able to do a study to address the question fully. And presumably it might not be in the drug uh, company's interest to do this kind of thing if patients will end up taking less drugs. That's always the case. That's always the case, although um, most of the industry involved in lipid lowering also are involved in hypertension uh, lowering uh, drug production. So I think you're right, maybe that one particular marketing strategy would, um, uh, would work to detriment of the other marketing strategy for the other drug. So lowering blood pressure with a statin would probably reduce the use of antihypertensive medications. That's what we hint in our discussion. Yeah. Is there anything else that you think We've, we've not covered? No, I think it's the appreciation is that these the statins, the, the lipid-lowering therapy in general and the antihypertensive therapy in general has brought into medicine probably the most successful example of uh, prevention and protection from common diseases. Now, 40% reduction, even 50% reduction in any disease is uh, has not been seen before. As I said... If you imagine you had something that reduced 50% of cancer or you had a procedure would reduce 50% of malaria, you would probably be given the Nobel Prize. In fact, the individual who originally discovered the receptor onto the liver who, um, uh, which were responsible for the production of in, in cholesterol got the Nobel Prize in the late 80s. So that has opened up then the development of a statins as a drug. So I think we are facing a revolution within the, the management. Uh, and the price is obviously the cost for the healthcare system. But in terms of benefits, they are unprecedented. Professor Capuccio, thank you very much. Thank you.